0: hey guys Montel here and thanks so much for tuning in to this special edition of let's be blunt with Montel and I'm so excited about today's show because this is the first time I'm going to be able to do the first ever cannabis year in review that's a roundup of the developments and headlines relating to cannabis in 2021 and many had hoped that 2021 was going to be You know, the record year for cannabis with Democrats sweeping the 2020 elections and the industry was broadly optimistic on the legalization being within our reach. But those high hopes were very quickly tempered as the months went by and 2020 delivered a mixed bag of wins and a lot of losses. And here to join me are two of my favorite cannabis colleagues, Mike Glazer and Mary Jane Gibson, co-hosts of the Cannabis Podcast, Weed and Grub. Great to see you guys again! Thanks so much for being here, being part of the show today.
1: Thank you so much. It's so good to see you.
2: It's awesome to be here.
0: It's so good to see you guys too. I'm so I'm so excited about just looking back and in retrospect uh, at uh, you know 2021. I mean, I know Mary Jane, you were very instrumental in in uh, contributing to Leafly's roundup on cultivars and on different strains at the end of 2001, right? That's right. I yeah. <laughs>
1: I I, uh, got to write about the runners up to the strain of the year, which was doci do. And then we did some data research and uh, a little, you know, anecdotal and uh, sampling research as well to figure out what the next eight were on that list. And I got to write about them. It was a really fun uh, assignment.
0: That's great. I mean, that's what we need to do is make sure we keep people up on the current trends and what's going on. And, you know, what I'm hoping to do with this year in review (laughs) is to go back and Let people know that, you know, there's so much happened during 2021. Absolutely crazy. You know, I was watching uh, Sanjay Gupta special a couple of days ago, and I was taken aback, like I always am, at this craziness that, and I love Sanjay to death. I'm telling you, I think he does really good work, and he's part of the reason why I think cannabis has literally jumped into, you know, the conversation around a lot of dinner tables that it would not have been a conversation around. However, he continues to bring these doctors on, these doctors who claim to be doctors on, who claim to be experts in cannabis, who don't even recognize the fact that when they make a statement like, well, we still need to have the proper amount of research, there's not enough research. I feel like reaching across and reaching right into that screen and smacking them upside the head and saying, do you understand that, you know, 2021 was a record year for scientific papers published on cannabis and according to normal, 3,800 and then were published in the first eleven months of 2021, and the previous record was held at 3,500 papers published. That brings us up to a staggering 37,000 scientific papers published on cannabis today, which I think is about three times, maybe even four times, as much as the published documents on alcohol. And I know it's at least two times as much as published scientific papers on aspirin. And yet these doctors still claim there's not enough information. And you know. I am, you know, from the school thought that doctors are supposed to not think that they know everything when they graduate from college. That's the reason why they have these things called CMEs, continuing medical education. They should literally be digging into and reading up on as much information as they can to understand that a lot of the information that they think doesn't exist is already out there. If they just did their homework, they would do this. What do you guys think about that?
1: I think that the propaganda of the war on drugs was very successful and that it's going to take probably a generation to keep untangling it. i you know, I mean, I grew up during the dare era and, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people, Al Harrington comes to mind, for instance, who, you know, are now in the cannabis industry because they understand, you know, the power of the plant. But, you know, initially he, Al Harrington says that when he, was growing up in Orange, New Jersey, he was led to believe that smoking weed was the equivalent of smoking crack cocaine. And, you know, that that was just a really successful part of the war on drugs to sort of, you know, instill that in a generation of kids brains. And so the stigmatization of cannabis is is so real. The fact that people are claiming we need more research. I mean, always, yes, continuing research is very important. But I think more importantly, right now, we need to undo the damage that the propaganda of the war on drugs has done that's baked into the media really. I think the media bias against weed is part of the problem.
0: I, I agree with you hundred percent. Mike, you want to jump in on that?
2: No, there's I am not gonna be able to follow that. <laughs> Mary J nailed it. Like I don't trust the good doctor because he works for one of the biggest places that definitely has an agenda. So um, you know, let's put our money where our mouth is a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I am just really—it it smacks me right upside the head when you when you think of the thirty-seven thousand peer-reviewed published documents in the ether. I mean, it's up there. All you got to do is just research and dig, and that's what a doctor is supposed to do. Yet they will sit around and say, "Well, we just sure don't have enough research." I feel like saying, "Just shut up and stop the stupid." You know, not only that, but also shut up and listen to the public. I mean, I think last year showed that, you know, for the first time, we've reached a staggering Gallup poll says that there is 68 percent of this population believes in recreate, not recreate, adult use marijuana. You know, and I think that the numbers go between 85 percent and 89 percent when it comes to medical marijuana support. But 68 percent, that's a staggering number.
1: Decades of research have come out of Israel and Germany and Canada and now the United States showing that the medical benefits of the plant are obviously inarguable and the adult use benefits as well. All, all use really is medicinal, no matter how you choose to use it. I mean, I I am not currently a medical cannabis patient. I have had a card in the past, but I currently just use uh, cannabis as adult use you know, consumption here in California. That's still beneficial. And I think that it's, it's backed up by science and by millions of people around the planet using cannabis every day. And they're trying to prove that it's a bad thing because they're so steeped in this propaganda that has been very successful for the last hundred years of criminalizing cannabis.
0: And they've been hiding some of the information that I think is most important to us right now. I mean, when you look at I think there's a paper I remember reading a paper hmm, a couple months ago that discussed the fact that they were finding that. You know, there are, you know, um, uh, chemical properties in even the flavonoids of uh, cannabis that are a better anti-inflammatory than the inflammatories, anti-inflammatories being used right now currently to help control some of the ravages of COVID within the lungs. Yet you don't hear that said by anybody. Why? Because we're just afraid to say that we might have something that's as simple as cannabis that works better than the trash that they are charging you 20, 30, 40 times as much for. And so until big corporations can figure out how to abuse the populace, the populace by overpricing cannabis drugs,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um, they're not going to be made available. Now, you know, when you think about corporations, now some of them have come out in support of cannabis. I mean in June, Amazon changed its employee cannabis policy and announced public support for marijuana um, the for the marijuana opportunity Reinvestment Expungement Act, which is the Moore Act, and investors responded positively to this announcement by pushing its stock prices higher, realizing that the power of Amazon lobbying might mean for the industry and the momentum in the business regulations. the u s. listed shares of Tilray. Surged 11.9% after news, after that news, while Aurora Cannabis, you know, under ACB and the NASDAQ, climbed 7.8%. And then Cronus Group, you know, they advanced 8.7%. And then in July, Apple, Apple reversed its policy banning cannabis-related apps from its app store, Ease, and parent companies. Now, you know, I mean, it, it, it seems now that corporate America is jumping on the bandwagon and saying that, you know, maybe we've been sitting in the wrong place here. But the fact that they are now stepping up and, you know, there are dozens of other, you know, cannabis websites and companies that have been added to the App Store, including Weed Maps and Leafly. And, you know, the adoption of cannabis friendly attitudes by corporations could sway, could sway some state and federal politicians. What do you guys think about that?
2: Cream. It's cream, right? Cash rules everything around me. Like that's what that is. So I think the uh terpenes were also being patented or trying to be patented by a lot of corporations like Philip Morris or someone like that was trying to patent the like a specific terpene so that maybe they can get a royalty on it so that every time that Terpene is available. They get paid. Like, what a crazy time to live in. And I think it goes right back to the research where there they have research and data that will allow them to see how much money they can make and how they can do it. And then holding that data back from people who can make actual change in the world. It's a it's a real capitalistic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's devastating to me, to be honest. I don't know how else to say it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I you know, when you when you start thinking about the fact that they want to go after trying to patent terpenes when we know that terpenes have been investigated, researched, and not just, I'm not talking about just, you know, cannabis and hemp terpenes, but terpenes in in broccoli and spinach. This has been around for now almost 45, 50, no longer than that, 60 years we've known about terpenes. So why didn't they try to, you know, patent terpenes back then? No, they're going after it now because they see, you know, this green rush and they want to be a part of
1: it. Yeah, I think I think Mike is right. You know, the money talks and corporations are seeing that, you know, somewhere like California, for instance, this year had a thirty one billion dollar surplus in cannabis taxes. People like former U.S. Speaker of the House, John Boehner, have, you know, changed their tune and they're sitting on the board of cannabis companies because they understand the way that the green rush and the tide is turning is, you know, even though the price of cannabis has dropped and small farmers are suffering these big companies are still seeing a future in cannabis because the cannabis consumption isn't going to go down. And especially during COVID, it being an essential, I think, you know, this year, especially, a lot of people really recognize the profit behind it.
0: But I think, you know, that not only they've brought the profit behind human consumption, but they're starting to now finally figure out that, Hmm, I think something that, uh we've known for a long time it's really coming back i you know wow you can make clothing out of this you can you can make batteries out of this wow you can make it, it it blows my mind that all of a sudden light bulbs are going off where those light bulbs should have been going off and should have stayed on for, for the last 100 to 200 years but now we're jumping on the bandwagon i'm I, i'm i'm i'm
2: Well, it's parachutes, right? It's like parachutes. Like They're going to suck up all of our natural resources that are available, oil, and not make any changes. And then they have these parachutes like hemp once they can just pivot to something brand new and just continue to gobble up all of our resources while uh, not making any changes to the climate except for bad ones.
0: Yeah, but I, I think what's happening, though, we're also going to see, and I think this is what's going to really change the tide in a big way, is the fact that Internationally, you know, Colombia, you know, uh, Brazil, uh, uh, Argentina, uh, South Africa, uh, all over the EU, Germany, Spain, Malta, all these other countries around the world, China. Like, come on, China's in the CBD production, you know, market now. Now, I, I, I would venture to say that I, like a lot of people in this country, you know, are concerned I would never consume a Chinese CBD product if you paid me. Because I think that their, you know, uh, their track record on what they do, uh, especially environmental damage, you know, and the fact that, you know, we understand that the hemp plant and the cannabis plant is a plant that has the ability to leach toxins out of the the soil. You know, I don't think the Chinese are even thinking in that way. They would just go ahead and grow it anywhere, grow it right by a nuclear power plant if they could, you know what I mean? Um, but I think international pressure is going to pressure the U.S. And we saw big changes internationally in 2021,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I think that you know, looking at places like Canada, for instance, you know, it's evident that this, you know, the I mean, these Canadian uh, investment companies, I think, have a lot of power behind the scenes. And you know, Canada's, you know, I'm Canadian. I love Canada. It's a very friendly country. But there are also some. Big heavy hitter operators up there who are, I think, working to influence the global market because they can see the trend is that cannabis is the future.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I fall for 100 disclosure, I'm involved right now with, you know, a company out of South Africa, and I'm also involved with a company that is publicly traded company out of Colombia that are making headway in, you know, not just consumption, human consumption cannabis, but making headway in things like plastics and, and reaching into other areas where, you know, the world is, is, is starting to recognize that this plant has, you know, 2,500 plus, you know, usages and, you know, we are going to sit on the sideline until those usages are already entrenched and try to see if we can go back and get ourselves a part of the global market, which I think may be too late. This is the first time I, I think that America has ever developed something that they're allowing somebody else to beat us to the punch with.
2: That's awesome, though, man. Congratulations, because your heart's so in the right place, and I trust you, so that's exciting to hear. I
1: think, well,
0: go okay, ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I think that you know, it's it's so cool to hear that you're doing that, and you know, to hear about the 2,500 uses, that's such an important part of – the the movement and the industry is that, you know, hempcrete I think is the way forward for the construction industry. It's a, a it can be a food source. It can, you know, hemp clothing. I, some of my favorite pieces are made from hemp. It's this incredible renewable resource.
0: What we have to do is just look back in history. People don't remember the entire revolutionary army was clothed in hemp uniforms. You now the word canvas comes from cannabis. You know, the fact that we had sails, we had ropes, we had tents, we had cover for wagons, all made from hemp. Why? Because we know its durability when it becomes wet and the fact that it doesn't mold and doesn't rot. You know, uh, that's the reason why we made ropes out of hemp rather than using cotton. You know, people just are, it's just, and then, you know, I mean, the majority of Americans consumed at least two or three days a week, some form of hemp seed protein porridge as one of their staples. So you know, uh, why are we not feeding you know, the, the globe's hungry using a seed that is so easy to produce? They got a plant that produces abundance of seeds, but we're not smart enough to think that through. Other places in the world are starting to think that through.
1: That's it gives me hope.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, you know, I think another thing that happened was the Olympics, and you know, Shakari Richardson this summer. You know, the issue of athletes and cannabis, um, you know, struck a chord with uh, Olympic-bound runner Shari um, Shakari Richardson when she was barred from competition after a drug test revealed that she had consumed cannabis in one of the states that it was legal to consume with in the United States anti-doping agency decision prompted a more serious national conversation on what to do about athletes and the use and in states where it's legal. And then early in 2021, the UFC announced it would no longer punish athletes for testing positive for THC. And the announcement followed on the heels of a similar ruling in the NFL, which loosens its rules regarding cannabis. And when Major, Base, Major League Baseball decided to remove cannabis from it's banned substance list do you think that it's going to take you know america's greatest pastime to convince politicians to back you know up and and just get off of this stick
2: yeah well i so i've gone through olympic drug testing i trained at the olympic training centers as a roller hockey goalie when roller hockey was being considered for the summer olympics And so for the Pan-American Games, where I won a gold medal with Team USA, I had to go through Olympic drug testing, and you're not allowed to take anything. Sudafed is iffy. Like, you got to be careful. So on the Shikari tip, um, she tested positive. They have rigorous testing. I'm not going to excuse that. But what I will excuse is that the Olympics were created in ancient Greece. And that doesn't mean their rules have to stay in ancient Greece. Like, update your rules, please if anything, cannabis is much safer than a lot of the opioids and other ways to get pain relief out there. And everybody else seems to be on board in the sports world. So the Olympics, who should be a leader in that space, are now so far behind that it's insulting and ridiculous.
0: Insulting and ridiculous, and especially in the fact that she was using cannabis in a state that it is legal for medicinal use. So to turn around and be penalized for doing something that's legal in another place, and then have all these people jump up on a jump. I I felt like, again, reaching into the TV screen and smacking somebody inside (laughs) the head when you hear these guys, wow, but she should have known better. I was like, shut up. Shut up. Really, Really shut up.
2: We need this TV show, Montel, and it's just you going from channel to channel, smacking dumb people in the <laughs> face.
0: <laughs> you know, if I'll do it as long as you give me one of them big old hands, you know, what I mean, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you see, you see the head go, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, would be, that would be cool. I'm telling That'd you, that would be
2: great. You uh, know, we,
1: we uh, had the opportunity to speak with Megan Rapino and her sister Rachel for our podcast this year, and it was amazing to talk to them both about their careers as. A-list athletes who've traveled the world uh, and not having access to something that they know helps. And so they've launched a CBD company uh, called Mendy for athletes and for sports recovery. And, you know, that's just the, the truth of it is that, you know, athletes should have access, whether or not the IOC wants to grant athletes access to THC, at the very least, they should consider CBD as a, you know, like a sports salve, something for recovery. It's
0: you know, that would be a good start. I, I, I'm I really, you know, I, I'm one of those that has been talking about this for quite a while now. You know, God bless again, Sanjay Gupta, for making the word CBD the term something that people around America can talk about, you know, freely because there wasn't a lot of conversations about CBD before his first special. But he himself acknowledges the fact that he was wrong. We know for a fact that there are so many other cannabinoids. I mean, just the, just the thought of CBD-V and CBD-A. Excuse me. They are more powerful than CBD alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, this idea that, you know, all of a sudden, let's let's throw the devil chair under the bus. Stop. You know, I can also use THCA, and that would test me positive, but I've gotten no euphoria from using THCA. so stop. I want people to start recognizing the fact that, you know, your taxpayer dollars funded the research that identified the endocannabinoid system. Our taxpayer dollars funded the research that figured out that there's CB1, CB2 connectors. And those connectors are, you know, agonized by or antagonized by the our natural response to feeling of plant-based cannabinoids hitting our endocannabinoid system and making it produce its own cannabinoids. You know, and those endocannabinoids, anandamide and 2AG, are, are important components to our life. And you know, we look at at, at you know, you, you look at the prevalence of autoimmune diseases and other diseases that seem to have started in, you know, this last century, you know, from 2037 on. Well, the second we started outlawing something that was a part of our nature, a part of what was, in, you know, genetically built into us, I think that's what we really got to start having a conversation about. So, you know, I, I applaud the Olympic Committee if they were to say, you know, CBD is okay, but, you know, you can't knock out all the other cannabinoids that have impact. Now, and we're going to get in an argument about well, what should the ratio be? The ratio should be whatever I damn well want it to be. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Right.
1: I, I use a uh, high CBD, low THC with a bit of CBN edibles for sleep. And it has changed my life. I mean, truly, I was, you know, I think like everyone on the planet, 2021 was a really hard year. And those edibles with that little bit of CBN, I, I had never really encountered that ratio before, but it it just works. It works like, a mm. you know, and it's plant medicine and I don't feel groggy the next morning. And it's amazing.
0: And you may find that, you know, you add a little bit of extra, extra doses of, of, you know, uh, terpene in there, and you might even get a bigger bang for your buck. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think that, that again, those 37,000 peer-reviewed study documents that are out there show some of this information and would probably, you know, help if people just started stop saying there's not enough information and start saying, find the information.
2: Damn it. Yeah, Who's the guy who released all those documents, and now he's he had to flee? Julian Assange. Julius, we need a weed Julian Assange
0: absolutely, and (laughs) we need to be able to put those in. I I, I wish that you know again. I I was flipping the the channel last night or a couple nights ago, and I was going back and forth from Sanjay Special to a particular dramatic series that I like, so I didn't want to miss that about that. And I knew that you know though I the the discussions that he was having were with a lot of families of children who are in need and are showing beneficial changes in their life from using cannabis i knew before i even changed the channel to go see him that it was going to be filled with a lot of bullshit. also <laughs> but i knew it was because they can't but do it that way these days they got to make sure that you know if they say well you know There's a good opportunity. They have to say, but, you know, we know that there's a lot of detrimental help just to see if they can stay covered by something and they don't need to have that cover.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Big agriculture, big pharma, the prison industrial complex. There are a lot of things at play behind these organizations that are claiming we need more research, fear, fear, propaganda. It's you know, there's a lot of work that we still have to do to get people to understand that there is plenty of research on the side of cannabis being beneficial and and we're continuing to do more. And in order to do that, the plant needs to be descheduled. So, really? you know, so everyone has access to be able to do your your own research if you want to grow your own at home and figure out what works for you. And also lab testing and clinical trials. You know, we need access to the plant in order to stop this insanity.
0: Well, in some ways, I mean, I think that 2021 did have the DEA pass uh, legislature or patent, not legislation, pass uh, rules. Uh, that allow for some of the off-the-shelf cannabis in in California dispensaries to be now tested, rather than having to test that you know skunk weed out of University of Mississippi. <laughs> so at least that's one thing moving in the right direction. Though there's been not enough uh, companies allowed to use that uh, those testing protocols, but it's starting to, to increase a little bit. You know, I think um, something else that we have to kind of be be very leery of and cautious of is, you know, I mean, we've got to pass the MORE Act, or we've got to pass, you know, regulations to allow for banking so that, you know, the cannabis industry can at least be a safe industry. I mean, we, let's talk a little bit about what you guys, what we all saw uh, happen in Oakland, you know, and can Oakland save the cannabis, its cannabis companies, or will uh, crime really destroy the industry in Oakland? I mean, Oakland's cannabis sector is reeling from a spree of robberies that occurred the weekend before Thanksgiving, where perpetrators broke into more than 25 licensed cannabis operators, vandalizing stores and offices and stealing products, leading to a loss of more than $5 million worth of, of property loss. And, you know, the Oakland police reported that, you know, they're down 60 sworn officers and unable to respond quickly. And the police chief has reported that there was 129 homicides, 600 shootings, and 25, 100 robberies and nearly 500 carjackings in Oakland in 2021. So he's using that as an excuse to say that we don't have the resources to protect an industry that's giving them a breakthrough record amount of tax income, which I think is just ignorant. I mean, how how can you take taxes and then not provide protection?
1: It's wild. I just interviewed one of the business owners who uh, was part of one of those smash and grabs. And the uh, perpetrators drove a car into the building and tried to drag a safe out. Uh, the business lost, I you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of product. They weren't able to get the safe, but it's just crazy. And she was saying, you know, part of it is they have security. But what what is one security guard going to do against, you know, a whole group of armed assailants who are there? To target the business in a very intentional way, they know what they're doing, and it's crazy because last year they were doing it under cover of the protests around George Floyd's murder, and they were being blamed as rioters and looters. They're not. They are very targeted, organized crime gangs that need to be combated by law enforcement. And I think that especially in Oakland, which is you know the birth of the California's medical marijuana business, they really need protection from from Oakland. Officers and the state, I I wish that they would mobilize more uh, enforcement, however, whatever that looks like, because those businesses really need protection.
0: Well, but again, I want to go back, That they need not only do they need protection, but they they are owed protection. The amount of taxpayer dollars that are paying for those police officers salaries. You know, and, and uh, you know, and they can claim that it's not, but it's going into a single pot, and that single pot's not being disseminated the way they claim it is. It's being spread covering, you know, the, the debt of individual cities. So I mean, there's no reason why this industry should not be as protected as everyone else, especially with the high level of tax that's being pulled out of this industry.
1: And to your point about banking, it's because they uh don't have access to traditional banking. They don't right. they- able to make their deposits in a safe way. They're not able to take the income and put it into a regular bank account.
0: And the, and the bad guys know that. They know that there's money sitting in a safe. So if we can rip that whole safe out of the wall, drag it down the street, bust it open, you know, you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars that has not been processed in the right way. And all you got to do is just put it in the bank. I mean, there's no reason why you can't walk down to the corner drop a deposit in the way you do for any other business.
2: Agreed, but... But I would say I just learned from Mary Jane about something called civil asset forfeiture. So those banking reform uh, bills need to protect against civil asset forfeiture, too, because Mary Jane, correct me if I'm wrong, but that means the cops can just like go in with suspicion and grab your safety deposit box full of your belongings and walk away with them using suspicion of cannabis as a motive.
0: Yeah, so that that also, to me, is ignorant. I mean, we need to ch- change the law from the ground up. And then, you know, when, you, when you, you think about it, not only were they stealing cash, they were stealing product that then goes into the black market and gets resold anyway.
1: Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, Mike, uh, there, there was a story that just recently happened here at a Beverly Hills safety deposit box company where a guy had put his life savings into the safety deposit box, thinking it would be safe there. And the cops seized it saying that he didn't make enough money to be able to have that amount of money and that it had to be linked to drugs. And he had to fight the FBI in court to prove that he had saved up that money. And they were accusing him because he had a side business selling bombs made out of liquor bottles. And so they said that that pointed to the fact that he was selling, you know, cannabis on the black market. He was not, his savings were legal. He got them back. The FBI had to admit that they were in the wrong, but it's crazy that you would put your money into a safety deposit box and still have it seized by the government just because of suspicion.
0: Yeah, absolutely ignorant. In 2021, four states, that's Connecticut, New York, New Mexico, and Virginia passed legal legislation to legalize marijuana for recreational purposes. And there are now 19 states plus the District of Columbia that have legalized the recreational use of cannabis. And other states um, consider legislation to legalize recreational cannabis this year. Um, the legislation is pending in Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Wisconsin, uh, Florida, Hawaii, Minnesota, Nebraska, and North Dakota considered but have not passed legislation to legalize marijuana this year. And this year, there was activity in New Jersey and South Dakota following approved ballot measures to legalize recreational marijuana in 2020. And, you know, I mean, it, it seems to be going on and on. In 2020, New Jersey ballot measure required legislation to become official, and New Jersey passed legislation A-21 earlier this year. So what do you guys think that trend's going to be in next year? Are you looking ahead with next year to see what might happen?
2: Mary Jane, you want to go first or second?
1: <laughs> go ahead.
2: Um, I'm I'm pretty scared, Montel, if I'm going to be honest, because the Republicans floated a pretty juicy tax, like, less tax cannabis bill. And I know a handful of single issue voters in the country who are now Republicans because their single issue is to get cannabis de-scheduled and like legalized. And they're like, well, if the Republicans have a bill and it makes a lot more sense and has less taxes than the Democrats, I'm a Republican now because I want cannabis to be legal. And that makes me very nervous.
0: I think we even talked about it a little bit when we did our podcast when I did one with you about the fact that I've been saying this for the last you know I don't know since since uh, uh, this administration went in office I knew before they went in office that we should not have put all of our you know eggs in one basket because you know both the president and the vice president have a storied history of their lack of support for cannabis and so you know, they stepped up during, you know, uh, the campaign and lied straight to everyone's face about how in their first hundred days they were going to do something. And they haven't done a damn thing. And, you know, when we take a look at what they did do, you know, under Harris, I think there was more, you know, uh, nonviolent cannabis arrest in the state of California than it had been before her. And we look at the president who still three months before election said, that cannabis was a gateway drug. Stop. Come on now. If you didn't understand that, then how how crazy are you? And so it was left to understand that if the Republicans jump aboard that as something that they want to get support from the masses from, you know, people are going to like you think you you said it. I mean, I think people are saying, well, I'm going to vote be a Republican this year because I want to know cannabis is going to pass. And then little do you know what's going to get shoved up your butt after you get cannabis. Well said. And it won't be a suppository either.
2: Yeah. <laughs> to help you relax, you're going to yeah. be less relaxed.
0: Yeah, it's like in Florida, you know, they're, they're trying to force, you know, suppositories as, as a delivery system rather than smoking and others. You know, and you got states like North, South Dakota that ruled, you know, its state's 2020 uh, recreational cannabis ballot measure as being unconstitutional. And that case of Tom versus Bennett is pending in South Dakota Supreme Court. And in April, Florida Supreme Court, in an advisory opinion to attorney general, to their attorney general, um, struck down uh, their cannabis law as unconstitutional in an attempt to legalize recreational cannabis. And in a state ballot via, you know, a ballot in 2022, you know, election election, because the court found that the language proposed in the ballot summary was misleading. You know, it seems to me like state after state after state is trying their best to overturn the will of the people. What do you guys think of that?
1: It's so unfortunate. Christy Nome in South Dakota, I don't know who is behind it. I mean, I I have my suspicions that she has ties to people who are powerful in the prison industrial complex perhaps, or there's, there's, you know, money behind the reason that she doesn't want to have the voter approved legislation passed. She immediately started fighting against it. And it, you know, there's just bigger things at play that we can't see or know about because they, they hide them because it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, their intentions are not good. They're not concerned that cannabis is going to harm people or that it is a gateway drug. They know that's not the truth. They're lying when they say that they're lying through their teeth. They have money bankrolling the effort to keep cannabis illegal behind them from other interests. And I don't know if it's big agriculture or big pharma or prisons or whatever it is, but it's, it's not because they're actually concerned that cannabis is bad. They know it's not.
0: Right. It was, which, which honestly, it just I, I thought the will of the people, I thought that's what it, we, you know, I was watching another, uh, I, unfortunately, I was watching you know, a small segment on uh, one of the, the cable news channels. And there was a a pundit who sits on, you know, a board of, uh, of investigatorial researchers who have been looking at countries other than the United States and looking at signs that the country was close to you know some sort of a, a revolution or a revolt. And, you know, they walked away from looking at other companies recognizing that the United States is probably the closest to a revolution than any other country right now on the planet. And, you know, that revolution is not going to be for the good of the people. There are so many people who think all of a sudden we're going to wake up and, you know, have this autocratic, you know, society that's going to benefit mankind. And it's not. Um, And I I don't know. I'm just hoping that, you know, we, as an industry, that's where I'm thinking, I want to get your take on this. I mean, What do you think the industry is going to do to try to figure out how to come together more over the course of the next few months and next year?
1: Oh, it's so interesting. There's a a crisis unfolding in California right now with California cannabis, small legacy farmers being snuffed out by big business, and they're the backbone of the industry. And industry leaders are coming together finally to ring the alarm and, you know, get Gavin Newsom to take action to be able to save these small farmers because of, you know, they're being crushed by the cultivation tax, which is the only it's the only agricultural product in the world that is taxed at the farm. It's one hundred and fifty four dollars a pound currently and pounds are selling for about three hundred dollars. So these farmers are just, you know, suffering horrible financial hardship and in some cases ruin. And industry leaders in California are finally coming together in a way to be able to, to, to start saying we need to save this industry. But I, I read a really interesting statement from a friend recently. She said, you know, when we were a when we were a movement, we were a community. Now that we're an industry, the community aspect of cannabis is falling away. And I think we need to really reinfuse what we do as people who profit off of cannabis in whatever way it is that we're, you know, if it's just as a user or as a business person, we need to reinfuse the communal aspect of the plant. And we have to hope that cannabis can on some level transform capitalism versus capitalism taking cannabis out and making it just another commodity
0: well you know i think that as we go to capitalism taking cannabis out and making it another commodity that's where i i I fear next year i mean i think that you know we're taking a look at the fact that you know so many states number one are going trying to fight against the will of the people number two you know we've got these big huge multi-state conglomerates that are coming in right now and could care less about, you know, equity in the industry. They just want to figure out how they can hold on to their little piece of the fiefdom. And, you know, by the time we turn around and blink, you know, cannabis, like you just said, as, as we've known it is going to go back, I think to a black market that is going to then, you know, uh, you know, foster legislation and foster, you know, organizations like the DEA to come down our head. I mean, it's like, and but in some ways, what, what pisses me off the most, excuse my mouth, is the fact that the industry is trying its damnedest to do itself as much harm as it possibly can. I, I got a question for you. Like, what do the two of you guys think about this, the whole move towards trying to, you know, do the job of the pharmaceutical industries and those who hate cannabis by creating these, you know, offshoot fake chemicalized cannabinoids like, you know, THC eight and THCO. What do you think about that? Because I I've literally been ticked and been talking about things like THC. THCO is going to do nothing but give the DEA an opportunity to come down on our head, along with THC eight. Um, you know, you've got a you've got a a, a compound that is literally Some might say it's natural. I say it's not. If I have to use acetate and other things to strip away other things to make a product, that's not real. That's not what nature didn't do. We don't rain acetate and rain rain chemicals out of the sky to strip, you know, shells off of, you know, molecules off of the plant uh, to let it grow naturally. That doesn't happen. So to, and then like when it comes to THCO, to literally have a product that, in some ways is being manufactured and it's all about the hand of the person who makes this. So, you know, the chemical usage is all about the individual who does this, but there are some people who are pushing CBD back to THC, then taking that THC and pushing
1: it to THC. Oh, excuse me. Nature didn't do that. Right. What do you think about this? You know, I wrote a piece this year for Rolling Stone about a company that was sourcing Delta nine from hemp. So they were, finding a way to extract Delta eight from hemp. And they were a company that came up making Delta eight, Delta eight THC edibles. And then they found a way to actually extract Delta nine and make them compliant under the farm bill with still that 0.3 THC threshold. And they started shipping them around the country. So I think, you know, it was kind of interesting. They're lab tested and they're compliant. And I think they're above board. I think they're just some entrepreneurial souls who figured a way around the laws, but I think no matter what there's people are always going to find a way. And it's, you know, the danger when it comes to synthetic cannabinoids is when they are manufacturing things like K2 and spice that are putting people in the hospital. Um, But I think, I mean, I
0: think you've got to look at THCO as being a K2 or a spice. I'm so Mm -hmm. sorry. I don't, I don't buy it as being, you know, it's just like this new, this new process that they found out of Israel where they're using bioreactors and creating cannabinoids out of thin air. And, you know, that's not natural. And, you know, the same way we it took us five years or 10 years to figure out that, you know, the the Delta 9 that was uh, uh, created for Marinol doesn't hit the CB1 connectors the same way. This trash will not hit our connectors the same way. And I think at the end of the day, it'll be another year from now where somebody's going to have one of those experiences like they jump off a top of a car or something. And that just gives the DEA a reason to come down on this industry's head.
2: Yeah, I agree. I also think that it goes back to what we were just talking about before this, where there needs to be room for everyone. There needs to be room for big business and there needs to be room for small business because then things like, like Spice don't have the room that they have now because we need McDonald's. So that everyone can get a hamburger, but then we all know that the best hamburger is the shop down the street from you, which would be the small business where you can get great cannabis at maybe a little bit more of an expensive price, but you know you're getting a great hamburger. I guess in this example, <laughs> um, and that allows these play- these people who are muddling around with things like THCO, um, they don't get the volume, they don't get the like chatter that they get now because there's other access to other things, and those fall by the wayside.
0: Right. I think they're only they only exist because of the way the industry is 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 now where we should if we're going to legalize, let's legalize, let's go ahead and do this, get it done so that people don't have to try to figure out some end around using some synthetic, uh, you know, uh, uh, process that literally is going. And again, we don't know what this is going to be like when this starts to store up. We know that, uh, you know, cannabinoids store up in the fatty tissue, but we don't know what's going to happen when these uh, cannabinoids start storing up an individual's fatty tissue. I mean, we we do know, you know, when we look at, at the, the natural plant, we understand that it's got a, the ability to do lots of things from being extremely unbelievably good anti-inflammatory to even, you know, affecting, you know, uh, how cancer cells replicate. Do we think that these synthetic pushed cannabinoids will have the same effect? I just don't get it and you know i mean i think the argument is out all over the country in every single state where now you know we we've we've put together another playing field another battlefield where you know um different states are trying to figure out whether or not to outlaw the reimbursement of cannabis as a medicine when it comes to reimbursing people under their healthcare. And I, 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 it's, it's crazy, but I think going back to what Mary Jane said, this is generational. I mean, we got, we had a whole generation that's got to die off before um, I think we make a headway.
1: I agree. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff happening, you know, with, with the medical cannabis movement still, I think that people aren't necessarily seeing because they're sort of eclipsed by all of the big industry news but we are making our pathway forward as a medical cannabis movement still. And I think that, you know, the more seniors, especially, who are reeducated and, and come online with the normalization and destigmatization use of cannabis for all of the things, you know, sleep, back pain, anxiety, depression, any any of the things that, especially during COVID, so many people are suffering from, that medical use will will continue to move forward towards acceptance. And then, you know, hopefully companies will see that they need to consider it exactly that you know another another tool in your medicine cabinet
0: absolutely absolutely well you know I, I think that we're we will finally i mean they've recognized cannabis as being a almost a geriatric drug in israel since back in 2010 mm-hmm. so hopefully you know if things run the way they haven't run it's like 10 years later we finally start to catch up well i think we may start catching up this year and, and you're right i think that uh, a lot of people found that uh you know, during this COVID and uh, whatever you want to call it, lockdown for the last, you know, year and a half, there where you know cannabis has been considered an essential service, and more essential, even though several states also considered alcohol essential service, more people were buying cannabis than they were buying
1: alcohol. Yeah, but you know, I think people were using alcohol as medication during this lockdown as well. I, I have no judgment on someone who has a couple of glasses of wine at the end of the day to ease their, you know, anxiety or whatever it is that I think the the judgment of people against use of any substance is part of what we have to untangle. You know, the reality is that the world is in a mental health crisis, and we do what we do to get through. And for some people, that looks like a glass of wine. and for some people that looks like, eating a five milligram edible and watching a great movie.
0: (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, what do you think? And again, I've asked it a couple of times, but what what do you think is going to happen in the next year? Do you think the next year will be as good as we'd like it to be? Uh, I think
2: it is if we tag Cory Booker and Chuck Schumer in this episode so that we can get you Montel and Mary Jane in some policy meetings to let our uh, government officials know what's up because between the two of you, I think that they uh, they could use a little help.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I got to tell you, I've, I've had someone reach out to me in the last couple of weeks suggesting that uh, they wanted to put a meeting together with me and Cory Booker. So if I uh, get that yeah, meeting, yeah. Maybe, and I'll reach out to you without a doubt. And I don't know, do you guys know anything about, um, you know, Redman uh, has put together and helped to uh, get a federally registered national party called the NCP the national yeah. cannabis party heard about that
1: yes we were actually at the national cannabis festival in dc at the end of august and redman and method man performed a banger of a set and then announced the uh the party and i think that that's, that's the biggest part of what we need to do next year is make sure that everyone is activated to vote to campaign for the candidates that they're supporting, to just be incredible. I know it's exhausting. Everyone is so tired, but we need now to be more politically active than ever, not less. So I hope that everyone will use their influence and their voices to vote for those pro cannabis candidates.
0: Well, you know, it's a, a, a such a been such a great honor. Uh, they just asked me. I am now the chairman of the board for the National Cannabis Party, and intend wow. to to do as much as I possibly can to help. You know, get down to Washington D.C. and and you know get people thinking in the right direction. Not only voting, but thinking about cannabis as a platform. You know that that we want to have politicians speak out about. And uh, you know, does, I don't care about their party, though I should be caring about their party because I'm I'm so fearful of what the Republican Party will do to us as a nation. Um, you know, I want to I want to support the National Cannabis Party and ensure that we get whoever comes to the table to support our initiatives. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we we get both Republicans and Democrats at the table at the same time. We'll have a kinder, gentler nation, I believe.
2: Absolutely. And congratulations and would love to be able to help any way I can. That's fantastic.
0: Absolutely. Well, we'll reach out to you as we're moving things forward. I definitely will reach out to the two of you and hopefully you'll talk a little bit more about it on your podcast. And one more time, give out the podcast and where people can go to find you.
1: We are Weed and Grub across all platforms. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts from iTunes to Spotify and everywhere else. And we're at Weed and Grub on Instagram. And if anyone wants to email us with topics that they would like to hear covered, our email is...
2: Uh, WG at Weed dot com. And check out... Uh, Sketchfest in San Francisco. If you're in the San Francisco area, we are doing a live show at Sketchfest on the 23rd of January. That's a Sunday at 4 p.m. We have some amazing stand-up comedians, a lot of free gifts, ha ha ha, and uh, and some really good food. So we'll leave it at that. So if you're in San Francisco, come through.
0: If I'm there, I'll definitely come through. Mike Glazer and Mary Jane Gibson, thank you so much for being a part of our year-end review for Let's Be Blunt. And I know that our viewers are going to be really, really happy and, and and interested in everything you've had to say. And I thank you guys for being a part of the show. I want you to come back in 2022 and let's, let's chop it up some more, right?
1: Absolutely. It's always an honor to speak with you. Thank you so much.
2: Thank
0: you. Thank you. And make sure you tune in to the next edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments.
2: I'll